This is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Two years ago, a man stopped to watch a Little League baseball game. And he asked one of the boys what the score was, and the boy said, 18 to 0. Well, the man said, you, I must say that you don't look discouraged. Discouraged, the boy said. Why, why would I be discouraged? We haven't been up to bat yet. <laughs> Discouragement is universal, isn't it? Everybody gets discouraged from time to time. It's as common as mosquito bites in the summer. It's common, but it's also recurring. You can catch discouragement more than once. And relapses are frequent. At least they are in my life. And there's no vaccination available for discouragement. It can also be highly contagious. You can catch discouragement from someone close to you, even if they're more than two meters away. So it's universal. It's recurring and it's highly contagious. And yet, Jesus does not want us to be discouraged. I know that because he said in John 14, 1, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In other words, don't let your hearts be ruled by what you can see, but rather by the promises I have given to you. And that's what Jesus says to us today. Let your hearts be governed by the promises of God and by the gospel of God and not by just the things that you can see in front of you. The good news is that discouragement is not terminal. Uh, there, 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 it is a treatable condition, praise God. <laughs> and the story from the Old Testament book of Nehemiah illustrates both the causes of discouragement as well as the remedies. From the book of Nehemiah, we know that the walls of Jerusalem had been broken down by the enemies of Judah, the enemies of Israel, and the gates had also been burned with fire. And so when Nehemiah, who was in exile in Babylon, heard about his beloved city, he was torn, asked the king permission to return to Jerusalem so that he could lead the rebuilding of the walls for the people. And when Nehemiah's people first started in on the rebuilding project, they had lots of enthusiasm and lots of zeal and lots of excitement. But that was rather short-lived, and in a few moments we'll see why. The first reason that people get discouraged is fatigue. Nehemiah 4.10. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, The strength of the laborers is giving out, and there's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. You know, when your strength gives out, when you are tired, when you're drained and you're worn out, when you feel exhausted, like you've got nothing left to give, well, when you have nothing to fight with, you can easily get discouraged. Am I right? Second reason is frustration. People became discouraged. People become discouraged when their goals and plans get stalled or defeated. Nehemiah 4:10, the people said, "There is so much rubble here, we can't, we can't work." 
Look, it's everywhere. They were so frustrated with their work environment. Everywhere they looked, there was broken pieces of the wall that had been broken down, the previous wall that had been broken down. And so there were stones and broken pieces of mortar and debris and rubble of all kinds. It was a mess. And that can be really frustrating when you're trying to get something accomplished. A third reason for discouragement is failure. Again, we look at verse 10. There is so much rubble that we cannot, we cannot rebuild the wall. We just, we can't do it. We just can't do it. We, we, we have to quit. And so we have failed. That led them to so much discouragement. Failure is a common cause for discouragement. They were under pressure. They couldn't meet the deadlines or the expectations. And you know what that's like. Every year you meet your quota, so they just, they put the quota higher. I mean, the expectations eventually go right through the roof. And you can't meet the expectations. You feel frustrated and annoyed by that. I mean, it's not fair. Every pore in your body is screaming. This is not fair. But nevertheless, you're frustrated and you're discouraged. Their confidence went down the drain. These rebuilders. The confidence was shot. They, they lost heart because they felt like they had failed. Fatigue, frustration, failure, fear is a fourth reason, cause for discouragement. Nehemiah's enemies were, were working overtime to thwart the rebuilding project. People like Sandballot and Tobiah and others that were against the rebuilding. They didn't want Jerusalem's walls to be rebuilt, and so they, they did their best to taunt and torment the workers who were trying to, to accomplish the rebuilding. Their enemies said in verse 11, before they know it or see us, we'll be right there among them and we'll kill them and we'll put an end to the work. We're going to kill you. We're going to kill you. If you keep working on that wall, we're going to kill you. I mean, the wall builders got discouraged. Who, who wouldn't be discouraged in the face of that kind of threat or opposition? Scary stuff. Everyone who worked for Mike Davis a few years ago was afraid of him. They called him Tiger Mike. He started out his career as a, as a chauffeur, but he actually made his fortune in oil and gas. But he also earned a terrible reputation as the world's worst boss. You say, oh no, he hasn't met my boss. <laughs> well, during his long career, he, he regularly issued grumpy memos to his employees. Now, I got to tell you that in a former church long, long ago, in a land far, far away that shall remain unnamed forever, I used to get a fax back in the days of faxes from a, a gentleman in our church every Monday morning, outlining everything that was wrong with Sunday morning, <laughs> including, uh, and this week there was a piece of a gum wrapper on the stage. I could see it from where I was sitting. So this guy, uh, Mike Davis, would, would, would issue a grumpy memo to his employees, and one year, early January, right after Christmas, 
He sends the following terse memo to all of his employees. Idle conversation and gossip in this office among employees will result in immediate termination. Do your job and keep your mouth shut. Well, I don't know how long you'd want to stay working for a guy like that. He purposely instilled fear into the hearts of everyone who worked for him. That's not the way to win friends and influence people. Failure, fatigue, frustration, fear. All of them lead to severe disappointment and great discouragement in our lives. So let's turn the page quickly, now that we've talked about the causes or the reasons, and let's talk about the remedies, some of the remedies for discouragement. Nehemiah knew what it was what it was that daunted his people, that discouraged his people. And so he took action to to address the problem. And in this passage, I see three remedies to help us, to help you and me in our bouts with discouragement. The first one, reorganize. Reorganize. Reorganize your dreams and your ambitions. Reorganize your plans and your projects. Reorganize your schedules and your goals. It seems to me that's what Nehemiah did. When you look at verse 13, he, he comes to the place where he says, Okay, therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. So they have to do the work and protect themselves at the same time. The verse begins with the word, Therefore. Therefore, because of all that has happened already in this unfolding story, because of all of the, the, the discouragement that people like Sanballat and Tobiah were trying to heap on the heads of the workers, therefore, because of all the opposition we're facing, therefore, because of, uh, uh, the workers were afraid, we're going to reorganize, he says. And so he, he reposts these people at di- different places of the wall. The people started serving with enthusiasm and joy, but... The enemies of Israel have now terrified them. And Nehemiah responds by repositioning his people, posting them by families. In essence, he's reorganizing the work of the wall. He's reorganized his strategy. And, 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 And maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe you need to reorganize. Don't don't give up on your goals. Don't, Don't give up on your dreams. Because you're fatigued and tired and frustrated and you feel like you failed. Don't give up. Just devise a new approach and start over. It's a new year. Time for a new strategy. So reorganize. Tom Toro is a cartoonist uh, who got so discouraged that he actually gave up sketching. And he really was quite lost in life for quite a while. And, and, and then one day he went to a, a book sale and he opened up a cardboard box full of New Yorker, old New Yorker magazines. For, for some reason, he was really drawn to all the cartoons in these old New Yorker magazines. And something just, just clicked. And, and he started sketching again. And a little bit later, Tom decided to submit some of his cartoons to the New Yorker, his, now his new favorite magazine. And shortly after that, he received a reply. It was a rejection letter, one of many, many 
many more to come. In fact, a year and a half later, Tom had a, had a pile of rejection letters on his desk. So he reorganized. He actually tossed everything that he had done previously and started over. He reorganized his whole approach to sketching. He kept on sending cartoons to the New Yorker magazine, and they kept sending him rejection letters, but his cartoons were getting better. And then one day, he checked his email, and there at the top of his inbox, it said, Cartoons Sold. Woohoo! He had finally sold a cartoon. It only took him 610 tries. 610 cartoons he sketched and sent to the New Yorker before he sold a single one. So maybe the challenge you're facing today could use some reorganization and a pound of perseverance. You could reshuffle your finances. You could revise your will. You could restart your Bible reading plan. Rearrange your attitude, restructure your prayer life, reorganize your exercise program, reschedule your uh, 2020 family vacation, uh, reshuffle all the junk in the garage. I don't know. There's probably a hundred things that you could do. Just don't give in to discouragement. Don't give up. Reorganize instead. Second principle is to remember. Remember, remember the Lord, Nehemiah says in verse 14. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Do not be afraid of those guys. Remember the Lord, who's great and awesome. Don't be afraid. Remember the Lord. Remember God's goodness to you in the past. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, all the things that he's done for you in the past. Next, remember, remember God's closeness to you in the present. I will never leave you nor forsake you, the promise of God. And remember God's promise to you about the future. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Remember God's power for the future. And of course, remember God's word every day because all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for your life and for mine. You could focus your attention on courage building verses like Romans 8.35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or COVID, or vaccine mandates? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Those kind of verses build courage, don't they? They encourage rather than discourage. So set your heart and mind on things above. Remember that our God is great and mighty. There's nothing that he cannot do. Isn't that a Sunday school song? Yeah. I, won't, I promise I will not attempt to sing it. So we said there were three, three key principles to fight discouragement. Reorganize, remember, and third, simply resist. 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 
Notice what Nehemiah says at the end of verse 14. This is my paraphrase. Fight for your families, and fight for your sons, and fight for your daughters, and fight for your wives, and fight for your homes, but fight. Don't yield to discouragement without a fight. Resist it, because discouragement will and can affect your family. That's why he says, fight for your families. Come on. It's easy. As the workers got discouraged, it's easy for their whole families to get discouraged. Resist it in the name of Christ, because your discouragement can affect your family, your friends, your workplace, your church. So fight it. Don't give in. Resist it. You know, our response to discouragement is often so passive, isn't it? We just sit there looking at life through these dark lenses of fear. We do nothing. We say nothing. We just, we're passive. We're passive. But hey, God-centered, gospel-centered believers like us are supposed to walk by faith and not by sight. And there's a huge difference there. So stand up and fight. Now, according to legend, the devil once advertised his tools for sale at public auction. And as the prospective buyers assembled, someone noticed that there was a tool that he had on display that was marked not for sale. And so someone asked him why this particular piece was not for sale. He said, well, that, I, can, I can do without all of my other tools, but this one is my most useful tool. It's called discouragement. And with it, I can work my way into hearts otherwise inaccessible. Discouragement. He will use it as a tool to get in the back door every time. The Bible teaches that Christians are in a spiritual battle. We're in a supernatural conflict here. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, for we walk for though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. So the Christian life is a war zone, not a playground. This is a war. And so we need to remember to be sober-minded and to be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And if you give him a chance to bite, he will gobble you up and spit you out. He loves to tempt us with discouragement because he knows we are easily intimidated, intimidated by, what, by what is or what looks dangerous and overwhelming. So we need to resist him in the name of Christ. The way out of this demonic deception is to confront discouragement head on. And I'm, I'm preaching to myself here because I get discouraged. I just want to go downstairs into my office and bury myself. The way out is to confront discouragement head on. And how do we do that? We fight. We fight. We fight for the joy that Jesus died to give us. The fight for joy is a fight to grasp and marvel at what happened in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. That's what it means to fight for joy. And we fight for joy 
by preaching the gospel to ourselves every single day. Remind yourself what the gospel is and what it does for you. Make a daily habit to gaze on the beauty of Christ. Make a daily habit to remember that you are a child of God. Daily rest in his, his rest and his provision and then act in reliance upon him. That's what it means to preach the gospel to yourself every day. That's the way you, you fight for joy and fight against discouragement. We also fight for joy by running from the things and the people that consistently bring us down. The Bible tells us quite clearly we are to flee sexual immorality. We are to flee from idolatry. We are to flee from youthful passions. There are things that we just should turn and run from. And maybe there's a few people that we should turn and run from too. We also fight for joy by submitting and resisting. James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Submit and resist. Furthermore, we fight for joy by entering into the presence of God often. Psalm 1611 says, In the presence of God there's fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. I, I, friends, I know that discouragement is, 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 a, is common. It, it's a common thing for, for many of us. I, I struggle with discouragement myself. All you have to do is ask my wife, and I'm glad I can say that because she's not here tonight. But we, we don't have to live defeated lives because we get discouraged once in a while. Discouragement is not sinful in that regard. We overcome by confronting our discouragement and by exercising faith in God's promises. Phil drew attention at the very beginning of our service to the hope that we have. We have hope. We have hope, brothers and sisters. We, we have hope. We have a Father in heaven who is also called the God of hope. He's the one who who, who, who dispenses hope to us. And so this is my prayer for the gathering in this new year, 2022. I take it from Romans 15, 13, which is a well-known verse. In fact, why don't we say it together out loud, shall we? Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. I'm praying that over the gathering every morning during my quiet time. Fatigue, frustration, failure, and fear can really lead us astray from time to time. And we give in to discouragement, and then we send out invitations to all of our friends to come to our pity party, and we celebrate our discouragement with everybody who shows up. Instead, may I commend the pattern of Nehemiah chapter 4 to you? Reorganize. Reorganize those aspects of your life that could use it. And remember the Lord, what He's done for you in the past, how He's working today, the power that He promises for the future, and resist. Resist the temptation to give in. Fight. Fight for your families. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your wife. Fight for your spouse. Fight it. Resist it 
In Jesus' name. Let's pray together.